Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey everybody, welcome to the Savage to Sage podcast. Today I have the privilege of having Jeremy Miller, the CEO of Lionfish Cybersecurity. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. So, okay, we talked a little bit before the show, but uh, the big question is, why is cybersecurity important and why do we need it? I, I get asked that question a lot. And actually, when I go to the high schools, you know, what I say is, you know, when you left your house today, did you leave your doors open, your windows, your garage doors and leave? Did you do that? And typically they say, well, no. And I said, well, why not? They said, well, because somebody will come in and take my stuff. I said, exactly. It's the same thing online. Everything you have has open doors. You just don't know it because you don't know it. And so the people that know about those open doors, they go, they get scripts and these things. They press a button and then it goes out and it tells them, where are all the open doors? And they go, oh, look, there's some open doors. Kyle's got four open doors. Let's me go see if I can walk right in and take his stuff. And that's what they do. So you need to know where those doors are to be locked and shut. And you don't typically. I didn't when I first got into this as well. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are, uh, matter of fact, I'm just so we're clear and on the same page, I'm not an engineer. So there's a lot of smart people that, that work with me and that are in this industry. I'm a business owner. I see opportunity to help and do things, but um, but certainly I don't claim to be a um, cybersecurity expert in that field. Now I am I, I do claim to be somebody that can help guide and and walk other people through and get to the right place. So yeah, that makes sense. So okay, tell me. I know I jumped right into it with your company, but can you kind of share with me kind of a concise? professional bio, you know, kind of companies founded and kind of the path that led you here today? Like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs or businesses, we've gone through some iterations and we knew we were going to do this when we started. They just had to happen a little bit outside of our timing. Uh, for example, COVID, right? A lot of people had to change certain things they were doing. Um, we started right before COVID. We were doing, um, we were teaching, teaching um, people how to do cybersecurity CompTIA courses, which are globally recognized certifications that uh, companies like to see their people have that gives, lets them know that they've got at least a, a good understanding of what's going on. But uh, as soon as COVID hit, right, we weren't doing it in, in-house anymore. So we had to bring it all online. And, and our progression then was to a service company. So now we do services for people. But really what we were doing in the background was we were building technology. We're, we're a technology company. And I've been in the technology space for 20 years, uh, building applications and things like that. But so I knew what it took and I knew that we needed to kind of help guide these other components into our technology. So, um, so that's what we were doing. And our technology is to take companies. Well, let's back up. You know, 90% of the companies in the United States are small to mid-sized businesses and they're not very big. And most of those people are entrepreneurs like, uh, the viewers of your show. And there are people that may have 5, 10, 20, they could have 100 employees, but they're still considered a small business. And typically, you know, we don't know, I say we, 
because I'm an entrepreneur too. We don't know what cybersecurity is. We don't know that our doors are unlocked. My main goal was to try to build something that we could help guide those SMBs through this maze, bring expertise in, bring the right tools in, bring the right policies and procedures so that they could become what's called cyber resilient. Okay. And cyber resilient doesn't mean that you're not going to get hacked. Unfortunately, as we've all seen, you could spend a lot of money and still get hacked. Right. And what the reason that is, is because if you are a big enough target, the adversary will spend more money. Right. But what we try to do is get people to a level that they're too hard to get into for the average person. And the bigger fish, they're like, uh, you know, they'll want to go after something bigger. So, so we try to get that wall up. And then the resiliency part is, is if you do have a natural disaster, have somebody attack you, is that we can get you back up immediately or right away, back in the fight, back in the action, uh, back making money. Because when you're not making money, your employees suffer, all this kind of thing. And if you look at it from, a, uh, you know, we didn't go into my, my background yet, but if you look at it from a military perspective, you go out or you are, you're even in base and you can get attacked. You have to be able to stand back up really quick and have that resiliency. And that's, that's really what it's all about in cybersecurity. How can we build in resiliency and, um, and moving forward, keep you moving? That's great. That's really great. Thank you for sharing that. How has this problem changed in the past five, I mean, in the past five to 10 years? We've gotten a lot more technology. Yeah. <laughs> so with technology, so things are built really quick. In, in the technology space, people will build things and they'll throw them out to the public and then they'll start patching them as they go. Well, so you could be getting something new and get it patched as you go. So you're going to be, you could be vulnerable right away thinking that you're getting a good product ready to go. There's not an FDA for electronics. There's not. So nobody's watching that yet. I think there, there are some talks to have this because it just, it just can uh, be really bad. We talk about people hacking you. Okay. Or people walking in the doors. Well, how about it, Kyle, if I download something, cause I want to use it and I let them in like, for example, TikTok. Okay. Right. So TikTok comes in, you know, you think it's similar to other social medias, but it's not. Okay. And um, there's several videos out there about TikTok and you've heard it in the news, but TikTok, you're basically saying, Hey, come on, take my stuff, hack me, take it to the CCP in China. Let them use this data, not only against me and my family, but against our country, which is what's happening. Mm. You bring up a very good point. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the idea of protection, but then letting people through, like, I don't think people typically consider that. So that's a perfect example of that being a real life situation. Yeah, we could definitely talk about that some more. (laughs) Um, I'm curious, is there purpose behind the lionfish cybersecurity, like the lionfish in general? Well, it, it... The I would I, the lionfish itself came because of some things that we had to make modifications uh, with our company, but um, but it came about because we had six things that we were you know we had these six things that we wanted to tout that we were doing and and our um, one of our guys in our company says hey you know a trident has six six uh, prongs and I said well wait a minute 
don't do a trident. I'm a green beret. I do not want to be looking like a seal. So for, we'll, we'll come back to that later. But anyway, so, so it became that this trident actually with the six prongs, they use it to go get lionfish. And we're like, lionfish, they're an invasive species. They come in and they just take over everything. They kill stuff and they're kind of like hackers, right? So we thought, that's a great idea. There's no, there's no cybersecurity company lionfish like that, or there wasn't at the time. So, so that's kind of where it came from and it, uh, it kind of stuck. It, and actually, uh, we, we really like that branding. It's, it's nice. Yeah, that's great. That's very, very cool. You know, we talked, a, we've alluded to a couple of times about your foundation, right? So I'm open this up a little bit broader than the actual question. So you've had, you know, a military background. It's probably a strong foundation for you. But tell me a bit about that and then how it has interfaced with your journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I spent some time on active duty. I got out and I got in the business world. I made some money, but I wasn't fulfilled. So I went back in the guard. I went back in. I was active duty. Then I went in the guard and I went uh, to Afghanistan and I got fulfilled again. Then I got back out again. Started, you know, started working in my other company. This was before this. And, you know, it just, there's just, a, there's no purpose to it other than make money. So I had a, had a friend say, Hey, you know, would you like to help me start a, uh, cybersecurity training company. I said, well, sure, but I really don't want to do it if we're not going to make an impact. Because if we're not going to be able to make an impact, I really don't want to do it. I got plenty of things to do. And, and besides that, if you're not really passionate about what you're doing or you got a reason to do it, it, it this will die on the, on the vine. So, so we started down that path and, and, and I already knew about cybersecurity, but I even though I knew about it, I really didn't know the depth of the issue until I started digging into it further. And I was like, oh my gosh, we've got to do this now. I mean, this is not just um, keeping these companies afloat. It's, it's a national security uh, issue as well, but nobody sees it. So it's out of their, out of sight, out of mind. It's almost like um, the invisible. Like- well, it, yeah. And I, I, I attribute this to, um, you know, even when people are our service members are overseas at war, unless you know somebody, you're not thinking about it because it's not happening in your zip code. It's not, and, and, and that's and that's on the news too, right? But it's really happening, and so is this stuff that's coming into your computer and uh, and whatnot. So yeah, that makes sense. So I, I actually really like uh, what you shared there, as far as you know, in the service, I felt fulfilled. In business, it was like, hey, it's about making money, need to be fulfilled, need to, you know, like it's about making money. But it seems like this endeavor with Lionfish is kind of the integration of both. Would you say that that's true? I, I would say that's 100% positive. Right. And, and that's, that, you know, I like that, right? I can be fulfilled, help people. And, and there's some money in it too. Yeah, that's great. So when you think about like when you started the, your other businesses, Kind of what was like the impetus that made you wanted to jump into, you know, business, you know, money. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Simple money. as that. That was it. Yeah. 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 Cool. Was that, was that a hard jump or an easy jump for you? Oh, right out of the service? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so out of the service, it was, um, I was already kind of entrepreneurial anyways, and kind of the stuff that I did in the military, uh, lends more to be entrepreneurial, um, just because of, how how we operate or as 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 a green beret or whatnot it's 
it is, even though it might sound like it's not entrepreneurial, but it, it really is. So I leaned towards that anyways. And it was, um, so it was a natural fit. I think a lot of uh, service members that, you know, I, I've also belonged to a group called Bunker Labs and they help uh, veterans, uh, you know, starting businesses and this kind of thing. So they're a great organization to, to help with that as well. But, um, but yeah, used to be when um, after World War II, you know, all the service members came back and a lot of them had businesses and they became successful businesses. And um, it's not happening as much nowadays. So they're trying to help uh, make that push to be a little bit more. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I actually was at a Bunker Labs event in downtown uh, in December, I believe, and loved it. I think it was their pitch night. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Wait, yeah. Was that downtown uh, at Hotel Tango? Uh, no, it was actually, um, there's that Veteran Memorial building. Um, I don't exactly know the address, but it was probably at like a little bit on the north side of downtown. Oh, I never mind. I know where you, yeah. I know what you're talking about now. I was supposed to be there. It wasn't. Okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah. They had a pitch night there. It was, it was great. It was totally great. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had to send a video. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, you know what? Okay. Okay. There was a couple of videos that one of them will be in yours. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So one of the things that we talk about, and, you know, I'd be interested to know your thoughts as far as speaking into this, because within entrepreneur space, I'm thinking, you know, not connected to military background. I think the foundation that the military provides is just a, a solid foundation um, of assertiveness, discipline, kind of just readiness in a sense. A lot of the conversation that I get into with entrepreneurs is they're pretty much, they're spinning out their wheels in a sense, as far as efforts concerned. And, you know, high uh, burnout is kind of a potential symptom of being an entrepreneur. I'd be curious to know, like, you know, has that applied for you when you've started businesses? If so, I'd be curious to know about that. But more importantly, is like, is there specific things that you do to fuel yourself as you're running business and to kind of kind of take care of yourself? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great question. Um, so for fueling myself, I often listen to motivation videos on YouTube. Um, I did this a lot when I was doing some ultra running as well. And you always find that you're going to find yourself in a slump. Uh, you're bonking, right? Same thing as a marathoner would go through their bonk and they need some kind of gel to kind of get some juices, you know, get their, get their energy back up and, you know, it's the same thing mentally, right? Because you're going to go into this, this mental funk where you're getting your butt beat every day. You know, uh, nothing's going right, you know, for a while. And you got to figure out, well, how are you going to bounce back from this? And, you know, it's not like you got a job that is paying you every day. You don't know when you're going to get paid or if you ever will or if you ever make it, right? So it's, it is very, it's very much um, a resiliency type endeavor. And, um, yeah, so my my hats off to you know all the entrepreneurs, whether you're prior military or not. I mean, it's the same struggle everybody goes through um, to, some, to to a lot of the same extent, right? You hear about these some people that are overnight success, and then what you don't know is they worked their butt off for five years, and then finally it took off, you know, or you know, or they got really lucky and they found some product that just everybody adapted the other day, the next day, and you're like, well, how'd that happen? Right. But those those don't always happen. And and the odds are against us from day one. Right. I mean, what's the what's the odds of a small business even succeeding? It's not that high. And uh, but but so many people still try, which is awesome. 
it is awesome to see people continue to try and say, I'm going to beat these odds. So, yes. Yeah. And I think it goes to your point of that resiliency, right? It just shows the picture of resiliency. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And I love the YouTube videos. I'm a former, I mean, I say former, I'm taking a year off from triathlon training. Uh-huh. But YouTube videos are my jam. So, yeah. 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 I, I had, um, I had done, well, I was doing some, some fairly long ultra marathons, 200s and 240 miles. And, you know, when you're talking about doing nine marathons in a row back to back there, you talk about bonking. It is. Yeah. (laughs) And I wasn't fast. So I took a lot longer. Where were these? I mean, what, what location wise, where were these, where were these runs at? In the mountains. So they weren't flat. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, this is a while back, you know, this was 2017. I did, I went to go through three 200 milers in three months. And, um, one of them was uh, around Mount St. Helens and the Cascadia forest. Um, and then one was around Lake Tahoe. And then the last one was 240 miles around, uh, Moab. They were a very big challenge. Um, considering I never really wanted to do more than a uh, half a marathon in my life. I hated running. I didn't. <laughs> so, but you know, this whole, this whole thing with resiliency and it helped me, it, it just was one other thing to help me see some things inside of myself. I had to bring out again, right? Cause you sit around, you don't do things. You're doing a triathlon. Those are hard, very hard, right? You got to have three disciplines and you got to train on all of them too, which every one of them crush people by themselves most of the time. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. And, um, you know, so yeah, it's a good job. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, I'm excited to get my back tweaked out a little bit more so we can get back at it. I'm looking forward to that. I won't ask you your resting heart rate after that. I mean, I imagine it's probably like 35 or four or something (laughs) like that. No, I, I was not, I was not fast. I was, I was slow. I was, I used to think I was a, a middle of the packer, but I'm really a back of the packer. I like to enjoy the scenery and, and, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, thinking about kind of building a team, right? So, you know, you know, with your military background, I would imagine teamwork is, is massive to kind of foundational for who you are and kind of, you know, the training that you've had, um, when you're thinking about, you know, being the leader, the CEO of Lionfish, like, how do you find your core team members? What does that look like for you? Well, it's kind of hard sometimes when you don't have a lot of money, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, when you're talking about, you've got options and then you don't have options and, and then you got people that sometimes, and I'm not necessarily just talking about lionfish itself, just in general, being an entrepreneur, right? You, know, you take what you get and you try to make the best with the team you have, Right. So you have to find the strengths, weaknesses, uh, and just try to make it through uh, the mission, no matter what it is at the time. So I look at I, I look at things a little differently on that. Is you know here we're in it now. What are we going to do? Right. This is this is what we have. I got five bucks and three people. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever it is, right? So yeah. Oh, exactly. But yeah, exactly. I mean, ideally, um, you know, you you want to be able to pick pick a good team, pick the right people on the, on the bus that, that fit the right spot, people that um, know what they're doing and, and uh, you know, this kind of thing. But um, it's, you're not always, uh, you don't always have those options, you know? 
That's true. There are constraints. There's significant constraints. That makes sense. How have you as a CEO fostered kind of your company culture? You know, is that important to you? If so, like, what does that look like for you? What's most important to me right now with where we're at is that the people on my team know that they're on my team and I'm not going to leave them behind just because they're failing at something because we're none of us are perfect, right? I, I make mistakes every day, right? And, and I feel that, um, you know, what, what we may lack and some of the talent we need, we, we pick up in, in the heart and, uh, and the ability to maybe pick up for everybody's slack when that happens. You, know, you don't want a lot of slack, but you're small teamed. You, you can't help it. You're going to have, you're going to be dropping balls all over the place. So just try to try to make it through. That's great. That's great. I love that. A couple of other questions as we wrap up here. What have you learned during your evolution as a founder and a CEO? Or in it, that's, that's a very broad question. Maybe think of one or two things that like sticks out to you. Like if you were to like kind of look at your evolution, what are some things that kind of like come to the surface is like, this is a big learning point for me. Well, I, I think one thing that I that I'll take away from some learning that I did just recently is, you know, we 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 did try to hire uh, a bunch of a bunch of salespeople, and we did it um, in a technical world where not everybody understands it. Number one, and number two, we try to do it to where it wouldn't cost us as much capital up front, but we would pay more in commission. So we try to do ten ninety nine sales, and um, and train them on what cybersecurity was. Big mistake. You can't you can't do it that way. People that if you're in a technical uh, field or something where people need to learn what you're doing to sell, and it's harder. It's not like you're going to go sell a pen or a widget, a small widget that's easy to understand. Yeah, hiring a 1099 person that doesn't know the industry won't make enough money soon enough to help them stay on stay on track. So we tried this. Um, we tried this experiment. We were very successful. And getting a lot of people interested in doing the opportunity. But what we found was it just doesn't work unless they've got some kind of background or understanding. That makes sense. And you think it was largely because it was technical that what they were selling was so technical that was that was kind of the biggest barrier to that? I think there was two. One, one they were new salespeople, so that didn't help. And number two, it was technical. And so a combination of everything was just, it was a perfect storm. Yeah. So if you were to think about somebody that's, um, that's a new entrepreneur, what kind of like key things would you give them or advise them as they're starting out to like kind of start their business? They're on the fence. Uh, what would be like your wisdom to them? Uh, well, first of all, do you really like what you're doing? And would you like it if you don't get paid for years? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's, let's start there. And then let's say, and then, then we'll ask, um, what do you think it's going to cost you? And if you haven't figured that out first, uh, you need to. And then when you figure that out, take it times five or four. Take it times five. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's a great <laughs> consultation model. And if it still doesn't work then, then uh, you might want to do something else. But, uh, but, but, but everything costs more uh, to do than you ever thought. And you're going to run into problems you never thought you had. And you're going to run into uh, solutions that to those problems that will take you in a different direction than what you thought you were going to do in the first place. Because you may find out that what you're trying to do was good, 
but there may be a little twist to that that isn't better. So don't be so stuck on, hey, I'm going to do this, right? Because this, you may find out that that's not where you need to be. It needs to be just over, just a little shift. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I like that approach. It's just like eyes wide open, right? So it's like, you know, when I had premarital counseling, like what they said to me was like, look up the effects of what it is like if you have a divorce. And they're like, they're, seriously, look it up. Yeah. What's the financial cost? <laughs> you know, what's the financial cost? What's the emotional cost? You know, what's the relational cost? Da, 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 da. Look it up. And it scared my wife and I to say, oh my gosh, we're never getting a divorce because we saw the, we saw the hit. Like somebody just was like, here's what it's going to cost. <laughs> this doesn't work out. Yeah, so. that, that's, that's good. You know, um, I, I don't know. Do they make, do they make everybody do premarital counseling now? They should, because it's exactly yeah, what they, they definitely that's should. exactly what, I yeah, know. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's not always going to be pleasant no matter what you're doing in that. Anything. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. So, um, Jeremy, uh, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? You know, like we want to definitely always want to open that up to our viewers. If they wanted to reach out to you. What's the best way to do that? Yeah. So our, our website's uh, lionfishcybersecurity.com. And my email okay. is Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, at lionfishcybersecurity.com. That's that's probably the easiest, the best way to get a hold of me. I get so many, I'm probably just like everybody here on this, uh, watching this, so much spam calls. It's insane. My phone rings incessantly and I don't even, I, you know, if they don't text me, I'm not going to call them back half the time. I have no idea yeah. who it is. So <laughs> <laughs> I answer the phone, they want to sell me something all the time. So I'm like, ah, no, that's all right. That's great. Well, hey, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Um, you had lots of sage advice, and I really appreciated hearing a bit more of your journey. Well, thank you very much, Kyle. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.